with the culture, but going against it. Like, we really have to be set apart. And I know that each and every one of you is here for a reason. You have to believe that. God has picked you out of all the people that he could have picked of the disciples, and he chose you. And you have to really come to this these lessons by Douglas and Jacoby, like he's a celebrity. <laughs> Tom Brown, and just like he's the leader of this church, like people have invested so much into this. I'm just so pumped. To hear all this stuff that we can be impacted with. So um, I just want to share a scripture. Come on, scripture. That really just impacted my heart to just um, what where it needs to be. Um, it's in Proverbs 12, verse 25. That wisdom. Come on. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word makes it glad. You know, we can come and be like, just like, oh, am I going to meet everyone that I want to meet? Or like, you know, am I going to make a good impression? Like, how am I going to just really be um, set apart, you know? And we really just need to be content, like, you know, we're here to encourage each other and just really learn and grow from each other and just encourage, because that's all we need. And um, I know... I've been so encouraged um, with this girl named Yasmin right here. Okay. Yeah. 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 She just has been so amazing because we met her actually at the last campus swap. Um, Cincinnati came down to Atlanta. And we met her at KSU. And, you know, here she is at CTP giving her whole weekend and her whole week calling off work to just give glory to God, guys. And I'm just so encouraged. She's studying right now. And so if you get a chance, just encourage her. Because God is doing amazing things right here, right now, in Atlanta. And we just had that baptism last night. So it's just been amazing. So let's just continue to zeal and just be on fire for God and change me. So we can take this back to our campus ministries and be radical for God. Wow. Wow. Come on, bro. Now that 
introduction right there. <laughs> All those people got baptized after that message. Huh? <laughs> I don't know which one that was, but amen. Y'all <laughs> so having a good time so far? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Are you ready to hear from somebody with gray hair? Amen. Yeah. I haven't seen where is, is Kyle here yet? Where is Kyle? I know he spoke last night, but is he here right now? No. Does he have gray hair yet? No. Not yet, bro. Yeah, it's okay. close. It's here. Close. Close. Uh, so I heard uh, I, I wanted to be here last night, but I couldn't make it. Uh, I had a dinner at my house. I had a special kind of Mother's Day post celebration at my house because we were out of town for Mother's Day. My mom was out of town. So we uh, had a little Casa de Hickman uh, taco night at our house. And uh, my daughters, you know, made the menu up on the computer and all that stuff and handmade cards and exchanged them and all that good stuff. So while y'all were hearing the word preach, I was hanging out with a bunch of women in my house. Amen. That's the of my life, though. So, um... Well, last night, I heard, heard it was a great message, huh? Yeah. So, uh, so the word on the street is that, you know, the world, they, they want recognition, right? Look at me. Look what I'm doing, right? But Jesus, what, what's, he, what's he more talking about from Kyle's message last night? What word did he use? Anonymity, right? It's like, you don't need any, any you know, fanfare. Jesus just kind of, I like that culture. And uh, the, the title that I was given was about being the original culture setter. The original culture setter. And uh, I was asked to really focus in on Jesus. And as I was preparing the message, uh, I said, yeah, you know, I'm gonna look, we're going to look at Jesus for sure. But then I decided to go, you know, but I think there's something else that we probably should look at before we just dive in to what Jesus did with culture. And so uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we're just going to jump right into Come the Bible. On, if that's good. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I'm grateful uh, to be here with uh, all this zeal this morning, and uh, just to, to know that Kyle preached your word last night, and just really setting the tone uh, for uh, what we need to really be thinking about when it comes to dealing with the culture that we live in. And uh, Father, I pray that uh, we can open up your word this morning, and just really individually have hearts that are humble, and willing to learn from you. I pray that we can really allow your spirit to minister to us, to guide us into truth, to teach us, exhort us, Father. I pray that uh, as a result of just this entire week, that people can make decisions that will change the very course of their lives. And uh, Father, I pray for uh, not just this one specific message, but uh, I pray for the, all the messages collectively over the weekend, all of the times going out and meeting people and Bible studies that are done and prayers and uh, I pray that it, it absolutely has an impact on changing the culture that we live in to reflect more of your glory, Father. And uh, so help us this morning as we uh, dive into your word. Pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So before I, before I want to jump in and talk about Jesus, I, I want to talk a little bit about something or a little bit earlier that, than that in Scripture. So when you think about the culture, like who started culture anyway? Right? I mean, where does culture even come from, and what in the world is it supposed to look like, right? Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking, before we start talking about counterculture, we got to figure out what is culture. Yeah. You know, who, who started this whole thing? Yeah. Environment, what's it all about? And you don't have to go very far, right? I mean, just go to the beginning of the Bible. What are the first few words of the Bible? Anybody got a guess? In the beginning, and then the next word? In the beginning, God. There you go, right? Not 
I'm not trying to overcomplicate it, but that's where we get culture from. And when you read the first couple chapters of Genesis, you start to figure it out. It was God in the beginning. Yeah. It was God that set everything up. And you know, there's God would set stuff up, whether it be the sky, or whether it be where the waters go, whether it be, you know, animals and whatever. But you know the word that would come out? God saw it and he said it was what? Oh man, it was good. It was good. It was good. And then on the sixth day, it says, man, he looked at over everything that he made and he said it was very good or exceedingly good. And so you've got seasons, you've got day, you've got night, you've got insects, you've got animals, you've got fish in the water, you've got people, they're chilling there, and everything is organic, it is awesome. That is culture, right? And guess what? It, it was good. It was exceedingly, exceedingly good. And so interestingly enough, I think, maybe the first person that was really counterculture we meet in Genesis 3, I think. What happens in Genesis 3, right? There's somebody that comes onto the scene. Let's look at that a little bit, right? Come on, bro. I think this, to me, this sets the tone for really how, do, how can we be counterculture. This is, to me, one of the first moments of a counterculture situation. In Genesis chapter 3, when it says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but did, did God say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die? And then he says, You will not surely die. For God knows, you know, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So, even just right there, let's just see our, our, the first counterculture guy, I think, is Satan. Right here, counterculture. God set up everything good, Satan comes in, and what are the first thing out of his mouth? Did God really say? Did God really say? Now, what do you think that plants in Eve's mind? Doubt. Doubt. So the culture that Satan is trying to set up makes you doubt God's work. Okay, doubt. Plant seeds of doubt in your mind. And then he says, did he say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And to me, this is distorting God's word. Because when you look back on what God really, really said, you know the first words that came out of his mouth when he started talking about what they can do or what they can't do? Look in Genesis 2. In verse 16, it clearly says, the Lord God commanded the man. Look at the first words he says. You are free to eat. From any tree in the garden. Those are the first words he said. You are free to eat. But what does Satan say that he said? You must not eat. That is a distortion of the heart of what God has. God's like, man, I'm giving you freedoms. I'm setting up your life to where you are free to do a lot. You just, I just want to, I'm going to give you some prescription here. Just, I'm going to, this one thing I want you to stay away from, it's for your own good. Okay? But you're free to do whatever. But Satan tries to distort you. He plants doubts, and then he tries to make God even harsher than he really is. Yeah. Man, God, he said, you must not eat. That, isn't that what he said? Yeah. He only said that about one tree. But Satan tries to set up the culture to where God is, you got to doubt what he says. And quite honestly, he's kind of harsh, man. He's against you. He's trying to keep you from stuff that's... 
And then he, and then Sage is so, he's so crap. I mean, he's so good at this. So good at this. And then, you know, he was trying to say, well, he told us that, and then she even adds some stuff. And, but, you know, he said, you, if you do it, you know, we'll, we'll die. And then what is Sage? Then, then he, he said, you will not surely die. What is that? That's just straight up defiant. No. This is counterculture right here. God sets culture up to be good. Satan's like, you can doubt God's word. I'm going to make it seem worse than it really is. And sometimes I'm going to flat out defy God's word. No, that's not. I know that's what he said, but not ain't going to happen. This is a counterculture moment right here. And then, she, then in verse 5, he says, you know, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what is he getting at here? What do you think Eve's feeling after he says that? She's missing out. She's missing out, right? So God's what? God's holding out on you. There's really good stuff. God's holding out. You could be experiencing some great stuff in this life, but God's holding out on you. Man, doubt his word, defy his word, distort his word. And just and then and then basically Satan puts her in the corner and basically says the only way you're going to enjoy culture the only way you're really going to enjoy this life is if you disobey. That's the best way to do it. I mean, don't you know? Let's just go through what all of you have. At the end of the day, if you really want to find fulfillment, you know, you really need to not follow God. That's the best way to enjoy life. That's counterculture right there from. From the beginning. And so Eve, she's like, man, okay. The Bible says she saw the fruit, looked good, pleasing to the eye, desirable for wisdom. She took some and ate it. Gave some to her husband. And so from that moment on, what was good in culture no longer became good. Yeah. Alright? And so then you start reading the Bible after this. We start getting stuff, murder, vengeance. I mean, it just gets uglier and uglier and uglier after this moment. Because the original counterculture setter was Satan. And you and I are living in that culture today. Same stuff. It's the stuff that Kyle talked about last night. It's the stuff that we're talking about today. We have to live in a culture that pretty much goes through the same stuff as this. So let's look at Jesus. Amen? Come on. Amen. Because, uh, you know, that's probably a good thing, right? Yeah. You like the New Testament? Well, let's go to the New Testament. Amen? All right, let's go. Come on, Jeff. Let's go to, to Luke's gospel. Okay, Luke. All right. Good old Luke. Because, you see, Satan, man, he did a good job. Of distorting things, man. He, he he really worked a number on those first people. But and you know what? In between uh, what we're about to read in Luke chapter four, in between this, you know, Satan he did a good job on the, the nation of Israel too. He did a great job on them too. Adam, God created Adam to obey, and Eve to, and they didn't do it. So then God fashions a people, gets them out of Egypt, gives them everything to live by, and then they can't. They don't do such a good job either. And so, will anybody obey God? And how is it going to happen? Or is, it, or is culture doomed? Are we just doomed? It, Satan just too, he's too good. He's just too good. 
We can't beat him. I mean, we can't take this guy down. He de- I guess Satan just defines culture, and we just got to live with it. I, I mean, I, I, think, I guess that's just what we got to do. He's just a little too, a little too, good, too good at this. Well, may, maybe or maybe not. Because let's look at another moment that's counterculture, right? In Luke chapter 4. And I think we can learn some things from, from this. And uh, before I read this, I was reminded of a passage in 1 John 3, and it just says, the reason of the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 1 John 3, 8. What a simple passage. Wow. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. All right? Is that simple enough for you? Is that, is that not complicated? You know, Jesus came. He's trying to destroy what Satan did. He messed up God's culture. And so Jesus isn't just here to preach a bunch of sermons. He's got a reason for all those sermons. He's got a reason for what he's doing, for dying on that cross. It's to destroy all that stuff that Satan started when he said, you know, did God really say? That's what Jesus came for. And we're going to see kind of one of these, you know, cage matches with this Jesus and the devil, UFC, you know, <laughs> one. You know what I mean? Uh, Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And being led by the Spirit. This is, the, this is what we see in Jesus. Okay, And, and, and before we think that being Jesus, for, for Jesus being filled with the Spirit or for anybody is like a superhuman strength, you know. It's not necessarily that because we find out he's still hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So just being filled with the Spirit or whatever, being, that doesn't mean that you're, you're, it, it, you don't have to deal with life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? As a human being, I mean, you don't eat for 40 days, you're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, amen, he's filled with the Spirit, but he's still dealing with the same stuff you and I deal with. Yeah. There's a reason Luke put that in there, all right? So he's filled with the Spirit, but he sure is hungry. And good old Satan. He's like, man, Satan's like, dude, I've been doing this. I got this. I took it out Adam and Eve. They were in a garden. They had all the best food in the world. They had everything they needed, and I took them out. This dude is hungry. He's left alone by God. This is easy. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till he's real hungry. <laughs> When he's at his weakest moment. I'm going to go up to him because I know how to take out God's people. Wow. Hey, Jesus. Hey, man, you know, if you're really the son of God, ain't you hungry? What, remember when you went walked around in your home and you smelled bread? Didn't that, that smell good? What would bread taste like right now, Jesus? I mean, if you're the son of God, man, I mean, since you really are, why don't you just, you see that stone? Just go ahead, man. Ain't nobody here. Just go ahead. Turn into bread. I'm sure. Well, wouldn't that taste good? Jesus, seriously. You, so you're going to tell me that it wouldn't taste good? You mean to tell me you wouldn't want bread right now? So what, what kind of temptation is that? That's a hard quote, isn't it? It's, it's just at the foundation of who you are as a person. It's just the most fundamental thing you want. I'm hungry. But what is he really kind of, I think what he's getting at is, you know what? God ain't taking care of you. I mean, if you really are God's son, what kind of father would let his son go through this? 
and not let him eat. So you need to go ahead and meet your own need. You need to meet your own needs. God's not taking care of you. And sometimes what Satan will do is he'll take a legitimate desire, fulfilling your hunger, but get you to do it in an illegitimate way. Mm. Outside of God's plan for your life. Yeah. A legitimate desire, but why don't you fulfill it in a way that won't be legitimate? That's another one of the things that Satan does to get you to stay in his culture. But Jesus, you know, what does he say? It is written, man does not live on bread alone. Where does that come from? Scripture, right? So what is, what is Jesus defending Satan with, right? God's word. He's filled with the spirit, and he's using God's word. Those are the only resources he has. Wow. That's all it takes? Is that all it takes to de defeat this, this satanic attempt to get you to stay in his culture, to meet your desires whenever you want in your own way? So be filled with God's spirit and rely on God's word. Hmm. Maybe that was just a one-off thing. I don't know. Let's keep reading. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, Jesus, it's all yours. You can have it. So what do you see in this particular temptation? What do you think Satan's getting at here? Greed. <coughs> Greed? I think he's hitting at that. I mean, who wouldn't want authority over everything? Right? I mean, aren't people power hungry? I mean, who, who doesn't want to just take over stuff? You know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, I, I'm, I just want to give it to you. Yeah, I'll take it. Take, give me every kingdom there is. Put me in charge. Sure. I can set the rules. I can tell people what to do. Nice. Pay taxes to me. Amen. Let's do this. Let me give you my routing number, my account number. Have it direct deposited every day. You know? Uh, let me set up the laws. Let me set up the rules, right? I think Satan's kind of getting at that. But here's the deal. Who, who has... The ability to give authority of every kingdom. Who really has that authority? God. God. And who has he already promised he's going to give it to? Jesus. So, yeah, Satan has, a, has some authority for a little while, but ultimately Jesus, this, Jesus has this anyway. But, but, but if he gets it now, like now, now, you can have it now. Look, I'm giving it right now. You can have it. What does that mean he gets to skip? Skips the cross. Right? I get you now. You already know you're the Lamb of God. You know that. You know what happens to lambs. You know. You know the blood. You know what it's going to take. You know what's going to happen. You know the wrath of God. You know the cup you're supposed to drink. You and I both know that that's going to be the worst, most difficult thing in your life. Why don't you just stop the whole thing now? I'll give you all of that now. Avoid the cross. Avoid the suffering. Avoid the pain. Shortcut to the... You're going to get it anyway. But let's just take this route. Just take this route. Do you think that's tempting? Yeah. Man. I mean, how many of us would rather... I mean, good night. We don't... Man. That is tempting to me. I love having character. 
I love having character. I love having strong character. I love those moments when I feel like, man, but I hate the development of character. Yeah. Yeah. Because usually it means that, you know, you're going to blow it, you know, you're going to have to learn a lesson, probably be discouraged, and, you know, it's like, man, who wants to go through all that? Just give me the character, please. I don't want to go through all the junk to get the good character. But here's the deal with Jesus. He knows. What does Jesus know? If I go to the cross... What happens for you? Is it good for you for Jesus to go to the cross? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So he's got a decision to make. It's either his comfort or yours. It's either your benefit or his. And remember what Kyle told you last night. This is the kind of stuff that is all about what Jesus is about. Jesus said, if Jesus knows, if I die, you live. If I sacrifice, you get benefit. If I skip that process, I save my, I get, I get what I might want. But so many people won't get what they need. So this counterculture moment, can Satan get Jesus to turn? Can he get him to turn and live out the principles of Satan's kingdom? But just take what you can get and quickly. But what Jesus says, no, you know what? It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. No, Satan, I'm not going to serve you. I'm not Because if I bend my knee to you, that means I turn my back on God. And I'm not going to do it. If I bend my knee to you, I turn my back on God. And I'm not going to do it. I'm hungry, yes. I do want to run the world. I really do. But I know in order for me to do that, to run the type of world that I want to run, I have to sacrifice for it first and help them and give them the example to lay down their lives to save the rest of the world. And if I skedaddle on that plan right now, it's not going to happen. Sorry, I'm following God's plan for my life. Even though it's going to cost me my life and even though it's not going to be comfortable, I'm going to stay in God's will and I'm not going to worship you. That's a huge decision. But the devil is not through. He led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What do you think about this whole scene right here? What do, you, what, do you, what do you get out of this moment? Anything surprising to you? Test God. To test God? He definitely wants him to test God, doesn't he? What else do you notice about this passage? Take out the word. Jesus Christ himself each time. What do you say? Take out the word and to just distort it and change it to what you're just Wait, wait. So he's trying to distort God's word again? That seems like a pattern, don't you think? <laughs> Wow. So take God's word, but just distort it. Put it in a different context. Try to use it for a different reason than it was originally used for. That's just one of the devil's oldest tricks. He's been doing that to establish his culture for a long time. Yeah. And it works really well with religious people. Yeah. Take a passage, take it out of context, and cut and paste it onto whatever you want. Yeah. Okay? 
And so, that yeah, he's like, Jesus, man, just look, just jump off. And here's the deal. If you jump off, all the people, this is, everyone will see it. And you'll just jump off and then and you'll miraculously be like lifted out of the air and you won't die. And guess what? People will believe that it's a miracle and they will believe in you. Isn't that what you want anyway? For people to believe in you? Trust me, you jump off this thing and you don't die and you get saved and you can use this passage too and say, God saved me. Look who I am. Oh, God's performed a miracle through me. You need to follow me. You will get followers. You will. It will work. Just test it. Just, trust me. Just, just, just test it out. It'll work. Now, if Jesus jumped off, I honestly believe if Jesus jumped off that temple and miraculously didn't die, I absolutely believe people would believe that he was the Messiah. I do. I really do. I believe that some people be like, oh, this is the guy. I really believe that. You know? People believe in messiahs today for a lot less. You know, they, they see a lot less and they'll still believe. So, do I technically believe that that could have worked on some people? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have really been in the will of God, would it? No. That's not how Jesus was going to go about getting people to follow him. He only used a miracle to really authenticate what he'd already preached or taught. He, he didn't just use a miracle just to get people to follow. And that's what this would have been. Don't test God out of a, I wonder if he'll, let me just test God to make sure he's really with me. You don't, that's not the part you need to have. You know what, we need to know that God is with us, amen? amen. But Jesus says, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know what, you got to correctly handle the word of truth. Yeah. And Jesus does right here. He correctly handles the word of truth. So the devil finished all his tempting. He left him until an opportune time. So what did Jesus use to defeat this culture setter? Satan's a culture setter. All he needed was God's spirit and God's word. All right? So don't overthink this, guys. Don't overthink it. Don't fall for the latest spiritual fad. Seriously, guys, why is this in the Bible? This is, this is in there, I think, for many reasons, but one of them is to help you understand you don't need to be a superhuman. You don't need to always be doing great physically or maybe even spiritually in the moment. You could be at the weakest part of your life, but if you just try to hold on to God's Word, stay in God's Spirit, you can defeat Satan trying to get you to live out his culture. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to, to be the chest bumping, look at me, I'm the woman, I'm the man, whatever. That's what he wants from you. But you don't have to fall for Satan's tricks at all. You don't have to. How do you stay, man, how do I stay filled with the Spirit? Is there, okay, Jeff, show me, tell me right now. I'm writing it down right now. There's no A plus B equals C, I don't think. I mean, I don't think there's just this perfect formula for you to be filled with the Spirit every second of your life. Here's what I, here's what I know that I think it entails. Guess what? Does it entail praying? Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what words do I say in the prayer? Stop asking those exact, you know what I'm saying? Don't, but pray. Yeah. Give your heart in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Be honest in prayer. Yeah. Be vulnerable in your prayer. Pray with other people, but pray. And keep on praying. That will help you 
Stay in step with God's Spirit. Help you stay filled with the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Ask for that. Please, Lord, give more love, give peace, joy, patience, all that. Pray, pray, pray. Never stop praying. Be filled with God's Spirit. It's not an exact formula, but trust me, if you're not praying, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, right? Okay, so are these the three scriptures I need to always have to stay away from Satan's culture? Not necessarily. They're good ones. But guess what? Jesus knew them when he needed them in the moment. So you got to figure out a way in your life to have some go-to scriptures. All right? You gotta have some go-to scriptures. You gotta figure out what you struggle with. Yep. yep. You gotta figure that out. You know what? A man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You know why I know that? Because sometimes my kids drive me ever-loving crazy mad. <laughs> and I want to throw them through the window. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that wouldn't be godly, would it? Now <laughs> so I gotta figure out some stuff, right? You know what? If you don't have self-control, you're worse than a city with its walls torn down. Anybody can come in and take you out. That's a proverb, right? Why do I know that? I need that. You know, I need that. I also know that the purposes of a woman's heart are deep waters, and it takes a man of understanding to draw them out. You know why I know that? Because my wife's told me, you know, you don't really know my heart. Oh. You don't know what I'm feeling. You don't, you know, I've had that conversation before. Man, the Bible says, oh, man, I got to be a man of understanding. I got to know what's in her heart. I got to know there's deep waters in there. I got I got to draw them out. I got to draw them out. And I got two daughters. See, my wife's been training me. I got two daughters. I got to do it with them, too. You know what I mean? But why do I do it? Because I go to God's Word, and I know my weakness. I know my struggles. So I got to know what passages relate to those. Because Satan's coming for me. He wants me. He wants you. He wants you in his culture. He wants you in his culture where you doubt God's word or you distort it or you think God's against you. He's holding out. He wants you to live in that place. And then he wants you to realize that fulfillment with God, fulfillment in life comes when you avoid God, when you go around what he said. He wants you to live that way. That's the culture that he set. But you've got to follow the example of Jesus right here. You, gotta, you know, I, I'm going to hold on to God's word, even if it means that I'm not going to be comfortable. Even if it means I might have to sacrifice myself for the benefit of somebody else. Wow. But that's not fair. But it might be righteous. God handles the fair when he sets up his ultimate culture is when his kingdom ultimately comes. And that's not going to be right this second. But who knows? Could be later on today. But you got a choice to make. And I'm trying to keep it simple. You don't need a special book. You don't need to go to a special church. It doesn't have to have X number of people. It doesn't have to have this type of minister. It doesn't have to have this type of ministry. What you need to do is you need to stay filled with the Spirit and prayer. And you need to know your Bible. And be able to handle it well. And not let people just walk up to you and throw Scripture and you don't even know where, what, uh, what, what. Maybe you're, maybe, maybe that's true. No, you need to correctly handle the word of truth, right? All right? Those are some of the just basic principles you need. But what about these things like immigration? Same-sex marriage. Sex trafficking. Racial discrimination. Poverty. Pornography. Gender identity issues. 
Isn't that in our culture today? Yeah. Right? Is that not where we live right now? Yeah. Now, when I was your age, I got to be honest. First of all, there was no internet, okay? Pornography, rare. I know, it's like, whoa, bro, what? 1862? I'm surprised. But no, like, so stuff like social media, pornography, wow, not even a big deal. Gender identity issue? Wow. Transgender, never heard the word when I was raised. Never heard it. I mean, they couldn't even define it, right? Which bathroom do I use? Good night. That was like, is this a trick question? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that one, you know, right? The one with the picture of the dude on it. That's where I'm going. You know what I mean? Um, it just wasn't any, it wasn't even in the culture that I was a part of. Okay? Immigration wasn't that big of a huge issue when I was your age. It really wasn't. Now, some things are still carried over. I mean, Rodney King, that stuff happened when I was your age, right? Yeah. Stuff's still going on, right? Right? That kind of stuff, like racial stuff and police and how do you deal with all that junk? That kind of stuff, okay, I, I kind of know that. But at the end of the day, that was the culture, right? These are cultural things that happen. Mm -hmm. 43 years from now, they might be dealing with other stuff, yeah. right? So what's the plan? I, can, I know what Satan's plan is. It's going to be simple. Same thing he's always done yeah. to keep his culture the way it is. You can't follow God's word. You can't trust him. He's holding out. And if you just defy what he says, you're actually going to be fulfilled. Mm. Just do, Ultimately, you got to do what you desire. Because like he told Eve, if you do this, you'll actually become, you know, guess what? You'll have the knowledge of good and evil. And in my opinion, I don't think that's just the knowledge that there is a good and evil. I think it gets it more if you can determine what is good and evil for yourself. I think ultimately that's what it's getting at. So whatever culture you're in, Satan's going to try to get you to be the one to determine what's good, what's evil, what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. You. Self. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's better. That's the better way to live. And Jesus' example still holds true. Doesn't matter what the social issues are, still holds true. You want to know how to live your life and follow the culture of the kingdom of God? You need to go back here and try to figure out what he's saying. How does God set the world up? How does he do it? <clears throat> Yeah, but you, it's an old book. You don't. I don't care what culture you live in. I don't care if you're in a garden or if you're in a desert. I don't care where you are. You got to come back here yeah. to try to figure out how to view this world yeah. the right way, yeah, and how to live in the world you live in with issues that are raging around you. You've got to figure out what principles are in God's word when it comes to how to handle people that are foreigners, when it comes to how to handle people that have different sexual ethics than you do. How do you go to the you got to go to God's word and, and fight to understand it and pray and trust that a person filled with the spirit and knowledgeable of what God has written can actually defeat 
Satan's attempts to get you to live in his culture. You can be like Jesus and be truly counterculture, and then you help other people do the same, and ultimately the whole world will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. And when that happens, we can all say amen, you know what I'm saying? And we can feel great because we were a part of it. But it's going to cost, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost comfort and sacrifice and putting yourself below and lifting the spirit and Jesus up. Amen? Amen. So I think that's all the time I got. Love you guys. I think that's it. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, reminding us that God started the culture, that Satan corrupted the culture, and that Jesus came back, according to 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the devil's culture, and he's using us to do it. So that's what I got out of it, but let's, let's open it up for a few people to share. What did you guys get out of it? What's the biggest thing that you got out of Jeff's, Jeff's lesson? Maybe like 15 to 20 seconds. Maybe anybody. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is what we need to defeat Satan, yeah. He, he hit on the CM, but I think, as I was thinking, it's easy for me to see all these cultural issues and not research them. And so, Jeff, you, you're let, it really encouraged me, like, using the Word, but also doing research on this stuff, because it's, it's actively affecting the people we reach out to, the people we study the Bible with ourselves, and we got to have conviction on those things. So. Oh, yeah, 100%. I even wrote down some for me. I'm like, at my campus at Georgia State, I'm like, do I know scriptures on greed, yeah. selfishness, homosexuality, drug use, impurity, immorality, laziness, cheating, lying? Because yeah. that's what I'm talking to every day. Yeah. Do I actually know the scriptures to use it like Jesus did? Yeah, over in the back. Yeah, Jesse. I think uh, what I got out of it was just that what we're talking about counterculture is just us going back to God's original culture. Yeah. And uh, we're just trying to kind of cancel out what was the original counterculture. Yeah. Yeah, we're canceling out the devil's culture. Yeah. Um, I really love what you said. Satan will take a legitimate desire and mm. fulfill it in an illegitimate way. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah, that's ended up with Keith. Mm. Yeah, 100% with the campus training program. It's a lot about getting out of our comfort zones. Jesus obviously lived out of his comfort zone and ended by leaving his body in extreme discomfort for our sakes. We can do the same. But uh, we're going to have a five-minute fellowship break. And if you want to lead a song for the next intro, talk to Tom. But I'm going to pray, and then you have five minutes. Let's go, God. Uh, Holy Father God, thank you so much for uh, just setting a culture in the garden, setting a culture in our lives. God, I pray that we can live counterculture to the devil's culture and just living the way you want us to, Father. I pray that we never are wise in our own eyes to define what is right and wrong by our standards, but always go back to the scriptures and be led uh, by your Holy Spirit. We just need you, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' legendary name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, five-minute break. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.